Welcome to our show, Holding Ground. My name is Laura Richer. I'm a psychotherapist and the owner of Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. Each week, I'm joined by another therapist from the Anchor Light team to tackle important topics in mental health and psychotherapy. Our goal is to promote well being by normalizing mental health challenges. We are here holding ground for you every Tuesday morning at 9 30 a.m. on KKNW. Good morning. You're listening to Holding Ground here on KKNW, the show that brings you a little bit of everything in the realm of mental health and psychotherapy. My name is Laura Richer, and I'm a psychotherapist and the owner of Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. And today I'm here with my original co-host, Michelle Mooney, and Michelle is our clinical director at Anchor Light. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Laura. So nice to be reunited for this episode and all of our listeners who are tuned in every week and join us on exciting mental health topics. Um, this is a really great one for our listeners today. And what we are going to focus on is folks who are considering premarital counseling, um, particularly yeah, before they make that big next step together. And you know, not everyone needs to do therapy before they get married, but there's some big questions that we should all be asking our partners partners before we decide to commit. And some might seem obvious, but not quite obvious to other folks. And, you know, Laura, you and I will get into it more and what we see in sessions, but sometimes these big questions haven't been asked before couples have made really big steps together. So we want to bring those to the forefront, have people asking those in their relationships, whether it's in couples therapy, date night, whatever it is. So um, Laura, what do you think some of the big questions couples should be talking about before they get married? Well, I think it's going to be different for each couple, but there are definitely some standard topics that you want to touch base on before you decide to spend the rest of your lives together. And of course, over at the blog, we have a blog about the 33 questions you should ask uh, before getting married. Um, So definitely a good list. If you want to head over to our blog at anchorlighttherapy.com, you and your partner can just do some of these questions on your own. But some people like to do them in therapy because sometimes these can be difficult difficult topics to talk about. We could have fear maybe um, that our partners might not accept our responses or that having these bigger conversations could lead to conflict or unwanted consequences. But the reality is, is that you want to know these things before you make that commitment because they're going to come up at some point. So the first one I think that is probably where I would start with a, a client or with clients who are doing premarital counseling is, Why do you think you should be getting married? What makes the two of you compatible for marriage? Is that something that you would ask your clients, Michelle? Yeah, absolutely. And I would hope folks would be asking themselves this and then, of course, talking about it like we're saying. And, you know, with all of these questions, I want to preface this, too, with when your partner asks you these things and you're having these conversations, ask authentically because kind of what you were hinting at, sometimes people avoid answering authentically because it could create conflict on um, unwanted consequences, which usually for people is if I answer this in a way my partner wouldn't agree with or doesn't want to hear, they're going to leave me. So I'm going to answer in a way that, um, you know, a people pleasing thing versus what's really authentic. And, you know, these are really important ones to be true, truthful about, because if we're not answering authentically, it's going to lead to future resentments. You know, there's a lot of problems with not answering things um, truthfully. So, um, 
Yeah. So what makes you compatible? So, you know, some things that uh, we do in sessions together is identifying do our values match? Um, you know, what do you value? What, you know, and that can fall into things um, around what family means, what, uh, you know, political affiliation, all these kinds of things, right? What are your values? Do we align? Um, you know, life experience so far um, can make us compatible. You know, have we been through similar things? Have we learned from prior relationships? Um, so there's a lot that comes into it, families, um, you know, past history in general. Um, but what else would you add to that, Laura? Well, I mean, I think talking about values is really important because when you're talking about getting married, there's so much more to it than being attracted to your partner or even being in love with your partner. Of course, that's a lot of what leads us to considering marrying someone. But the truth is, if you're planning to be married for the rest of your life, which is which, what most people intend when they go into it, doesn't always work out that way. But is that, you know, do we manage money the same way? Are we going to do life together the same way? Do we want to have families? How do we want to deal with, you know, our careers and all of those things? So you're looking at much more than just than just your feelings. You're kind of looking at logistics and how you want to plan out a life together. So I think those are the things we want to consider. And I think a big one that can be difficult for some people, especially when you found that person that you love and you've got all the feels and warm and fuzzies for is, are you on the same page about children and how many children you want to have? If you find yourself in a relationship where one person wants children and the other one does not, that that's deal breaker stuff that you don't want to talk somebody into your perspective on, on either side. And I think a lot of times people feel like, well, they'll change their mind. Have you ever come across that? <laughs> well, I laugh because that's exactly the example that I was going to give. Mm -hmm. I have seen that where, um, you know, somebody doesn't want children in the relationship and then their partner does. And the partner is like, yeah, it's fine if we don't, that that's okay with me. And then later it comes out, like, I was hoping the longer we were together, I could change their mind. Um, yes. Yeah, so I see that come up a lot. And I think, you know, both of you being on the same page about wanting children, but also you being on the same page about if you do want children, why? Because, you know, this is bringing a human being into the world. And I've seen where some folks say, well, I want to have a kid. So my name lives on, or I want to have a kid. So someone else looks like me. I mean, these are legitimate things that I have heard. Mm -hmm. And I would argue maybe not the best reasons to always bring a kid into the world. So making sure your values align with what having a kid means. Yes, absolutely. And knowing that we really want to find people that are compatible with us for relationships. And you can be really compatible. You can be really attracted to someone and have strong feelings towards them. But if you are not compatible, if you don't share the same values, if you don't have the same, you don't have compatible life goals or similar life goal goals that you just have really different ideas about how to do life together. It's, it's just not going to work. It's going to eventually be difficult. So you certainly can explore a relationship with someone. Um, however, marriage is a little more of a, a commitment in terms of financial and legal obligation. And so these are good things to sort out bef before you decide to go down that road. So the next thing that I bring up with couples in couples therapy that I think indicates whether people are compatible or not is how important their sexual relationship is to them. When you talk to couples about their intimate lives, what do you, what do you think is important for, for two people to be on the same page about? 
Well, the very first thing is we have to talk about sex and um, that can look like many different things. Um, but first of all, getting couples comfortable with the idea about talking about sex is a challenge in itself. Um, you know, and we can talk about reasons why, like, you know, society in general, like, you know, if you were growing up and you mentioned sex, you know, do your parents say, Shh, we don't talk about this, right? This mm-hmm. learned sense of shame around sex. So really helping couples get comfortable and knowing that right questions to ask right and one of them would be something like how what what do you need to feel satisfied in terms of frequency of sex so is it seven nights a week well maybe I can't fulfill that if it you know can we compromise on four or sometimes couples they you know sex isn't as important to them and they're okay with um, that not being a, a big focus in their relationship but whatever it is having discussions around it and hopefully getting to either on the same page or a point of compromise. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about what your expectations are, because a lot of times people feel very like hurt and disappointed when their expectations aren't being met, even though they've really never communicated them. So those are great conversations to have. And that can actually like improve your sex life and your connection Mm -hmm. with each other because you're getting to know each other better. There might be something new that you learn about your partner that you, that you didn't know. Yeah. And talking about things as they come up, you know, uh, our tastes always change over our our lifetime. So maybe we want to try new things that we weren't, you know, interested in when we first got together. So introducing that. um, So those, those are things that are really important too. And things like conversations around sex don't, you know, have to be um, this huge, big conversation about the nitty and gritty, but it can be something as easy as, you know, that thing you did Friday night. I really liked that, you know, Mm -hmm. teaching by positive reinforcement in these ways, or, you know, what turns you on that isn't necessarily sexual based, you know, is it just we sit close together on the couch? Is it an act of service turns me on whatever it is, like having these full bodied conversations around it. And then also, I think normalizing that if you're in the initial stages of your relationship, you're in the infatuation stage where it's very spontaneous that you're attracted to each other, but that may not always be the case. And in fact, in long-term relationships, people who still maintain satisfying sex lives are very intentional about it, that that mm-hmm. initial infatuation no longer exists. And maybe talking mm-hmm. about how do you want to address that as that comes up, mm-hmm. or maybe after, after you have children, that creates obstacles to, to having a good sexual relationship. So mm-hmm. all good things to just get everybody's expectations and ideas out on the table. So you know what you're working with. Mm-hmm. Right, right, exactly. Um, all right, so this one comes up a lot. And sometimes couples come to couples therapy, not even really thinking like, oh, this is something that we should talk about is what are your ideas around division of household chores? Mm, this is a common one. And this is kind of the more mundane logistical things we can get into <laughs> when we're talking about a marriage, um, that it's not all, you know, love and sex, that it does matter what your expectations are in terms of how, how you think you're going to keep your home, how clean it's going to be, how organized you're going to be, who's going to take on what role, you know, maybe I assume that my partner is going to do all of the yard work because that's what my dad did. And I have a male partner when in fact, he has no interest in doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
So trying to come out at it from like a strength-based perspective is mm-hmm. how we always want to talk about things in relationships. But if I love, and I'm so good at vacuuming, but you're better at the yard work um, mm-hmm. and painting the mailbox or whatever it is. Yeah. So talking about what chores you actually like or aren't super bothered by. And Laura, you and I have talked in the past about how we both hate putting away laundry. So mm-hmm. we wouldn't drive very well in a relationship. <laughs> we would have to hire out, you know, yeah. to, to get that task done. So, you know, and talking about these things so yes if we both hate yard work do we have it in our budget to hire somebody to cut the grass like mm-hmm. figuring these things out but really I think starting with the strengths based um, perspective on it um, or do we rotate who does the dishes each week or month or whatever it is I mean, and these all seem like silly minor things, but there's a lot of animosity that can build up around the dishwasher not being unloaded and who's going to do it. And so, you know, just knowing what each, and a lot of it comes from not understanding each other's expectations. One partner might have expectations that they just sort of feel like are standard across the board and the other partner, just those things aren't that important to them. And they didn't, they don't Mm -hmm. think about them in the same way. So being able to see how compatible you are there. And if you aren't, you know, can you work together? Yes, exactly. Yeah. All these things definitely come up how to load the dishwasher, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Oh, I've done whole sessions about the dishwasher. Like, Uh yeah, important. Or how much water we use when we rinse off the dishes and all these things you don't realize that other people (laughs) might really prioritize. You don't think about it's like, oh, how much water can I use? You know, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know we were keeping track of that. (laughs) Um, So this is a big one. I think that this is right up there with the kids is what is your relationship with money? What are your feelings about managing money or having debt or managing debt? So Mm -hmm. when you talk to couples about money, what are some of the things that you notice and maybe like a premarital counseling setting? Sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, So things, uh, a big one is income disparity. So let's say my partner is, you know, I don't know, the CEO of Amazon, by the way, that's not who my partner is, but let's just say that there's going to be a huge income disparity. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times couples, if they come to the table and say, oh, let's do everything 50-50, we are already not coming to the table with 50-50. So if one person is making a lot more money, how do we make this equitable? How is this equal? So is this then using 30% of your income and 30% of your income to go towards housing, right? 30% is always kind of what we want to stick to when it comes to things like housing. So figuring out what 50-50 actually looks like based on what you're both bringing into the picture, but things like, yes, debt is a huge one. Um, How do we utilize credit and credit cards? Do you have investments? And if you don't, how do we get on the same page? Like uh, future planning is a big one um, that people don't um, necessarily talk about early on. So, um, So those are some of the big ones, but what else do you see around money, Laura? I think that I think that that is a huge source of conflict in a lot of couples that I work with or not even conflict necessarily. Like, I mean, we have here in Seattle, we have a lot of big tech companies and that pay really well. And then maybe somebody in a different industry is not, you know, operating in that level. And they might experience shame around that feeling a lot of guilt that they Mm -hmm. aren't able to financially um, contribute in the same way as their partner. And maybe their partner doesn't have the expectation that they do that. Or I've also seen couples working through issues around maybe one partner has strong feelings about having debt and the other partner has huge student loans that they're coming into the relationship with. And so that doesn't have to be a deal breaker, but there does need to be some conversation about how do we manage this? If I'm really uncomfortable with debt and my partner has $200,000 of student loan debt, how are we going to 
you know, work together with this? What is the plan going to look like? Am I responsible for that on my own? And I keep that separate. Do we work together to pay it off? You know, every, there's no right or wrong answer, but you want to be having the conversation. Yeah. And on the money front too, real quick, another thing I see a lot is the topic of pre, uh, uh, prenatal, prenup agreements mm-hmm. um, and how, um, you know, it is wise in a lot of situations, but how much it can hurt the other partner if it is asked for. Um, a lot of questions around, well, don't you trust me, et cetera, those can come up. So that's something I see uh, quite frequently around prenups yeah. and finances. So um, yeah, there's a lot to be discussed there. Yes. And it can sometimes be really helpful to have a therapist if you're talking about a prenup to help you work through uh, the issues around that and what's coming up. Because sometimes both of the couple, both parties in the couple are fine with the prenup, but there's other things that are coming up. Like you said, you don't trust me or, or, you know, if we were to break up, you're not going to, you're going to, I'm going to somehow experience a financial loss. or you know, you want to work with the feelings that come up around that as well. Um, And having a third party to help you navigate that can be really helpful sometimes. So the next thing I think kind of ties all of this together, but what are your priorities and how are you going to prioritize your career and relation to your family and marriage? So what do you notice when you have conversations with folks about this? Uh, about a million different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> this is, this is kind of comes back to a values one. So mm-hmm. if I value my career above everything else, I just want to keep growing and keep climbing that corporate ladder. And you're somebody who's like, you know what status quo is okay. Um, if we focus entirely on our careers, when are we going to travel things like that? Um, you know, uh, so how do we spend our time together outside of work? So if one partner is working 90 hours and the other person is working 20, is that necessarily a match? How does it come up with kids, right? Who, um, you know, if we're both working full time, how do we divide uh, children and childcare and household tasks and all of that? So careers and uh, prioritizing those over other things might not work for every couple. Yeah. And that's a conflict that I see with couples that I work with later on down the line when maybe they didn't have these conversations ahead of time is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the expect one person may have the expectation. Well, once we have a family, you're not going to work at that same pace. Mm -hmm. And if you met somebody and they were a workaholic, when you met them, the chances of that shifting are probably not great unless you have some big conversations around what your expectations are. So Mm -hmm. I think that that can be a really painful thing to deal with if you don't address it. In, mm-hmm. in the beginning. Um, or, you know, sometimes there's ideas around gender roles and maybe uh, one partner feels that they're the female partner will let go of their career once they have children. And maybe mm-hmm. the female partner doesn't have that same idea or, mm-hmm. or it could be for the male partner too. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of good conversation that you can have around career and it could even go out to extended families. You know, how are you going to prioritize your, your in-laws and your relationship with them in relation to your career? I've worked with couples before mm-hmm. where somebody was really hurt because their partner didn't take a week off of work to go to, you know, their, to their grandma's funeral. And that was very painful to them. And mm-hmm. the other partner didn't feel like that was a reasonable request. Yeah. Yeah, in-laws, that's a whole nother question we could get into if we had more time today. (laughs) So so that's Um, a whole other episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And things that related to money to, or I'm sorry, career real quick too, is like, when are, when do we both want to retire? Mm-hmm. Um, and what does that look like? So again, yeah. these long-term goals um, also need to be touched on. Yeah. 
Yeah. So just to recap, because like I said, we have 33 questions on the site. We don't have enough time to address all of those today. So we have chosen our top eight questions to ask your partner before you consider getting married. And one was what makes you compatible for marriage? Two, are you on the same page about children? You really need to be. That's a deal breaker situation. Three, how important is your sexual relationship? Four, what are your ideas around division of household chores? Five, what is your relationship with money? Also, this can be deal breaker stuff. So important conversations to have. Um, What are your feelings about managing money and debt? Six, how will you prioritize your career in relation to your family and your marriage? And then seven, this is what we deal with as uh, therapists all the time. So Mm -hmm. Michelle, tell us about number seven. Mm -hmm. So how do you deal with conflict? Um, so this, this can, will usually last multiple sessions um, because this is based on a lot of things. Um, so how do you deal with conflict? Some people don't know what their conflict step points are. Um, you know, uh, conflict, um, uh, you know, can stem from, um, well, what did you learn about conflict growing up? How did mom and dad or your caregivers handle conflict, right? Were they silent with one another? Did they um, withdraw from one another? Did they roll their eyes and call each other's names and these things that we learn? Well, this is what you do when you fight with your partner. Um, Or what did you learn about conflict from prior relationships? And something to think about um, and asking the question of how do you handle conflict? Keeping in mind that can change based on your partner because a new partner could push buttons that maybe your prior one didn't do and you didn't even know that was a button for you. So how do you work within this relationship with this partner specifically around conflict um, and what you're share challenges are is very important. Yes. And what do you bring into the relationship that, that triggers certain responses? Like you said, it could Mm -hmm. be past relationships. It could be old family dynamics. Um, just really learning each other's, how each other responds to conflict and deals with it can help you work together, um, and learn not to push each other's buttons as well. That's always Mm -hmm. helpful. Um, and a lot of what we do in therapy with couples is conflict management, you know, when there are, cause you're going to have conflict in your relationship. There's no way around that. And if you don't have any, that means that you're just, you know, avoiding. Not, you're avoiding, you're not being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and conflict is really healthy and you want to learn about health ways you can help in a healthy way, address conflict so that it's productive because conflict is actually an opportunity to get to know someone on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. For better or for worse. For better right? or worse. We yeah. Have more, <laughs> if we have more worse than better, how, how do we navigate that? And really getting to a point of, okay, it, are you the issue? Are you the issue? Or is it actually the issue is the issue? And how can we ally against the issue versus against one another and doing blame? So really looking at this as a we problem and how do we navigate this together and um, do better the next yeah. time? Mm-hmm. So the number eight question that we think that would is really worth having a conversation about before you get married is what are your expectations or boundaries around relationships outside of the marriage, such as friendships, mm-hmm. coworkers, and any other outside relationship? What are your thoughts on this one, Michelle? 
Well, this is another one where there could be millions. Mm -hmm. um, so um, this, this one can be very tricky because let's say you're with a partner who says, you know, uh, who, who's essentially kind of isolating you from outside relationships. So no, I don't want you to go out with coworkers after work. Or what do you mean you're hanging out with, you know, if, if this is a um, heterosexual couple and maybe the male has problems with uh, the female hanging out with male friends, right? No, you can't have male friends. We're now in a relationship things like that, or, you know, um, some bigger ones, obviously, like we probably agree that we don't want to step outside of the marriage together. Mm -hmm. We do want to do that at some point that has to be an agreed upon decision. Um, and there's a whole another list of expectations and boundaries that go into that. Um, but you know, how much time do we spend with our friends? And maybe friend time is Friday nights and Saturday nights is always our time together. So there's a lot to discuss around this one. Yes, absolutely. And like you said, you know, there is no right or wrong answer for somebody. It could be very much a deal breaker that their partner doesn't want them to have uh, friends of the opposite sex or or the, the gender that they're attracted to. Well, for someone else, that might be an expectation. They don't want that for their partner either. And so that's just something that they mutually agree that that they don't do. Or it could be at a couple with, that I worked with years ago where the female partner was really uncomfortable with the male partner's female friendships. And while they were pl platonic friendships, he would, you know, sometimes sleep on the couch because he had a few too many beers or like had, you know, so they had to renegotiate what the boundaries were there. So the friend, the friendships were fine. Staying the night on the couch didn't really work for her. And that was something that he was fine to let go of, but they both mutually came to that decision. Mm -hmm. And I think with that one, I, you know, identifying why that would be, though, is it your own personal insecurity? Has there been prior trust issues within the relationship? Um, you know, that that one is, I, I don't know, I would maybe push back against that one just a little bit, just out of fear. And again, you're right, it could, it, it might be what both people agree upon, and, and that's fine. Um, but is there, I think there could be a risk there of, am I totally isolating my partner from their support system? So, um, you know, by saying, no, you can't have, you know, these friends or those friends. So that, that would be the only concern that I would have on that one. And those are all the good things that you can sort out in therapy is this kind of dysfunctional controlling behavior, or, mm -hmm. you know, some people just based on their histories, their belief systems, like they just have certain expectations for how a relationship is going to function and finding someone who has really different expectations could prove to be problematic. Even, you know, another example would be maybe somebody's more introverted and they expect that they're going to mostly spend time with their partner one-on-one -on -one, right. and the partner might be really extroverted and expect that they're going to be having people over all the time. And there's going to be lots of friends around and lots of interaction and neither of them are right or wrong in what they need, but they need to be able to be sure that they can both be satisfied in a relationship and meet each other's needs. Yes. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. So, but all things that you want to sort out before you decide to tie the knot. Yes. Yeah, or move in together or whatever, whatever that next step is for you, right? When we're making these big leaps, we got to be on the same page. And again, the reminder of answer authentically, otherwise you're not going to have a meaningful relationship at some point because you didn't. And so answer these honestly with one another. 
Yeah. And you want to know the answers to this, these questions. I mean, yeah. if you are somebody who wants children and your partner really doesn't, you're going to want to know that in the beginning, you're not going to want to invest 10 years in a relationship and then find out, Whoa, wait, what? We never discussed this. I just assumed this was the direction that we were headed. So, mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. you're not going to change people. Even if you like somebody, even if you're really attracted to them, people are who they are. So you want to find the person that's the right match for you. You're going to have such a a much more satisfying relationship. So if you want to explore premarital counseling, you can definitely head over to anchorlighttherapy.com and schedule a complimentary consultation with any one of our Gottman trained couples therapists. Um, Or you can head over to the blog and just check out the list of questions and maybe have some fun asking your partner what uh, their feelings are on these different topics. So Mm -hmm. that is all the time we have for today, Michelle. Well, great. I think this is a great episode. Laura, it was so exciting to be back with you. And thanks again to our listeners. Hopefully this was a helpful episode. Yeah, thank you. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into Holding Ground. You can hear us here every Tuesday morning at 9.30 a.m. on KKNW. I'm Laura Richard, at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. And we'll see you next week.